So we left off last chapter, where Sir Miser attempted to steal the hog that Luggin Bash had made, but miserably failed. And also Max and Aphelion, along with the children, created a frosty monstrosity of a snowman. And Johnny, next to the river, received from Piper a box. And everyone else had entered into their royal ballroom and told stories of times past and enjoyed a great feast. Barbie L even showed up and told the story of how he knew Johnny's father, and they worked together. They soon sang a hymn, and Johnny ascended to his room and off his balcony saw Angelos on the wall of the castle. And now, the chapter begins. As dawn broke over the kingdom, Johnny stirred from his slumber. In the stone walled chamber of his castle, the air was warm, and a thin layer of snow adorned the land beyond his window. Stretching his limbs beneath the warmth of his furs, Johnny's gaze fell upon the nightstand beside his bed, and there, bathed in a soft glow of a flickering candle, rested the withered journal of Sir Ulrich a relic from a bygone era. With a sense of reverence, Johnny reached for the ancient tome. Its leather cover cracked beneath his touch, and the pages yellowed with age. And as he opened the book, there he can see the old quilled dance marks across the parchments. And turning the book to the tenth entry of Sir Yorick, there he begins to read. Entry number ten. The seven of us pressed on further from life and closer to death, for that's all we have seen for the past five miles. The luscious grasslands and towering pine trees only existed in our minds. Nature itself had abandoned this forsaken realm. The ground beneath our feet was parched and cracked, resembling a vast mosaic of arid earth. We halted our journey in the heart of a rocky valley. Sir Charles drew our attention upward towards several cave entrances carved right into the rock. An attack from overhead was likely and unavoidable, therefore we traveled slowly in a rolling barrel formation with our shields high. Sir Fendrell, shortly after, halted the formation upon hearing movement towards a south cave entrance approximately 70 yards from our position. The group tightened up as we sat in silence. Sir Arthur had the lead on this one. He is cunning and quick on his feet. And as we sat in this uneasy silence, small rocks began to dislodge from the cave's mouth. Each pebble that trickled down intensified our collective heartbeats. In this stillness, gruffs and guttural sounds emitted from the depths within. Shadows flickered across the rocky walls hinting at a monstrous presence concealed within the darkness. Sir Fendrell reassembled the formation, 
five towards the cave's mouth and the brothers at the rear. The seven of us tightened our grip on our swords. Our eyes darted nervously between the cave's mouth and the ghostly outlines of the surrounding cliffs. And as the tension reached its peak, a cold wind swept through the valley carrying a low resonating rumble. Then, from the depths of the cave emerged the Shogun. He was more beast than man, with fur-matted limbs ending in razor-sharp claws. Dark matted fur clung to his monstrous form. His eyes were a shade of green that pierced through the darkness, revealing an unsettling intelligence that surpassed the beast within. Upon his forehead, though, was a pulsating brown crystal that cast eerie shadows across his bestial features. The crystal seemed to pulse in synchrony with the Shogun's unholy heartbeat. The clash began with a thunderous roar as the six of us led by Sir Fabian charged at the beastly Shogun. Sir Charles stayed back with Yuko. Sir Fabian a valiant knight fought with unmatched courage, parrying the Shogun's attack with skill. However, the Beastly's foe's strength proved overwhelming, and with a mighty blow, Sir Fabian was thrown aside, his armor bearing the scars of the brutal encounter. Undeterred, the remaining five of us pressed on. The Shogun proved a formidable adversary and one by one, we succumbed to his savage onslaught. Injured and fatigued, the odds seemed dire. Yet, when the Shogun lunged at Sir Fendrell, I seized the moment. With a quick strike aimed at the brown crystal, my blade found its mark, and not a moment too late. The Shogun crumbled to the ground lifeless right beside the crystal. Yuko secured that beautiful stone. The six of us rushed to the side of Sir Fabian. He is weakened and battered. All of us held his right hand as he said these final words. Brothers, you fought with valor and strength, but remember our duty is to not only vanish darkness, but to preserve the light. I face my fate with honor. After these words, he closed his eyes and fell asleep. The six of us carried our brother and laid him to rest outside the doors of Yokai, just to the right. Our intent will be to bring his sword home with us after the mission is complete. May the great king above grant us mercy and safe travel. End of entry number 10. Johnny closes that journal of Sir Ulrich and places it there in his bag. 
For soon, in the morning, he will depart to head back to the land of the rising sun. But right next to his bag, he sees it. The old dusty box that was handed to him by Piper. Oh, oh yeah. He grabs the box and sits it upon his knees, lifting the old worn lid. And there, nestled within, a set of magnificent gauntlets adorned with intricate details, and the patterns catch his eye. Reflecting a brilliance that seems to defy their age, Johnny can't help but marvel at the craftsmanship. And with a sense of curiosity and anticipation, Johnny slips the gauntlets onto his hands. And the moment they make contact, a surge of energy courses through him, illuminating his senses. And in an instant, intricate patterns on the gauntlet come alive, glowing with an otherworldly light. As Johnny's eyes widen, a flood of knowledge fills his mind. He understands the ancient language of the gauntlets, their mystical powers, and the art of wielding them. Images and symbols flash before his eyes, revealing the secrets hidden within the majestic artifacts. Johnny now possesses a connection to the powers, the powers that lie dormant within the gauntlets, as if the wisdom of centuries have been bestowed upon him in that fleeting moment. Johnny looks down at his gauntlets and his hands, turning his hands this way and that way. Wow. And with the knowledge that he has gained through these gauntlets, he looks up at his sword, that sword of Numa, resting upon his bed. He reaches out his hands from a distance Turning his palm upward, Johnny receives the sword from a distance. Wow. Now that's... That's gonna come in handy. What else can I do with these? And the door opens up. An armor walks in. Hey, hey, Johnny, I heard a lot of commotion. What are, what are those? Piper gave them to me. They're gauntlets. <laughs> that's, that's pretty nice looking gauntlets. He just gave them to you? Is that is that a breastplate under your garments? Oh, yeah, so I was getting ready to go. We're about loaded up. Hold still real quick. Pardon me? Just, just hold still. I'm going to try something. All right, this is strange. What are, you, what are you gonna try? Just hold still. Well, try to hold still. And the curiosity runs across the face of armor. Try to hold still. And Johnny holds out his gauntlet and bringing his palm into a different position. <sighs> armor can feel a sense of being pushed what are, you, what are you doing, Johnny? What is this? 
taking a few steps backwards. Whoa, hey, what are you doing? This is, this is, this is different. Are you doing that? Yeah, well the gauntlets are. I'm telling them to. Well, and armor is pushed up against the wall. Oh, oh. Uh, all right. I'll tell them to stop pushing me. It's really nice. And Johnny releases armor. I can also bring you to me. No, 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 no. That's that is very creepy. It's kind of ugh, feels like somebody was actually pushing me, like a person was pushing me. You gonna bring those with you? I, you know, I'm gonna bring these with me. Uh, also, um, one more thing. I also came down here to tell you. By the way, those are some neat gauntlets. Uh, don't tell a whole lot of people about those. Just keep that within within the circle, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. Okay, I was gonna also tell you, Bug and Bash, they're gonna stay here. They're gonna stay back and um, keep things guarded. But we're also bringing with us Hanzo. Oh, that's that's good news. Yeah, he was bored. He he didn't want to stay back here no more. He wanted to go with Miyamoto. Well, that's great. And they're already loaded up. Everyone's pretty much loaded up. Well, I want to say goodbye to the people before we leave. Okay, they're they're downstairs. They look out the the window. You can see them. They're loading up on their horses. Oh, well, we better hurry. You better hurry. And then uh, the rest of us will be upstairs in the boat copter waiting for you. All right. I'm gonna go down there and say goodbye. <laughs> and do we care about those gauntlets? We'll, we'll talk about those on the on the way to Land of the Rising Sun. We got so much time. Yes, I'll tell you all about them. Johnny headed outside and bid farewell to Sir Lancelot and Sir William along with the rest of the company. Sir Lancelot had agreed to escort the King of Nod and Reggie back to the Kingdom of Nod. And after their farewells, Johnny and the rest of the pilgrims, excluding Lug and Bash, headed up to the top of the castle and mounted in the boat copter. Alright! <laughs> Max, here we go on another great adventure! I can't believe it. Actually, I think I do believe it's the same adventure, just another great day. Another day. Alright, Max. Alright, let's do our systems check. Okay, go ahead and read me off the list. <laughs> Alright, propeller number one. Check. Propeller number two. Check. All right, rear propellers. Check and check. All right, and some the windows, everything's sealed up. Everything's on my side sealed up. Let's check here. And a check over here. All right, snacks. Oh, quadruple check. Lots of snacks, things that keep us away. <laughs> and door locked. Check. 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 Well, we are ready to take off, Captain Affilian. All right, Captain Max. Let us be going. Secure your stuff over on the side. Up against the wall. All right, take it off, everyone. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, have we cleared the roof? We are off the roof, but not cleared. A little higher. A little motion. A little higher. All right. 
And right there should do it. And now we're clear to go forward. Alright, thrust it on forward, Captain Max. Thrusting it forward. Forward, thrust. Forward. <laughs> And over on that snow-covered mountain, inside the cave, yes, deep inside the cave, hunched over a rock, dozens of riveters, dozens of toads and frogs, slimy frogs, surround his body. Stuart, there must have been something I, I ate last night, Stuart. Right, boss. Oh, oh, here comes another one. Oh, I felt that one all the way from my stomach, Stuart. Do you think possibly the witch of Pandora? No, Stuart, of course not. That didn't even cross my mind. No, no. Our powers are useless against me. This must have been something I ate. I knew I, I knew I, I knew there were tadpoles in the drink. Probably what it was. A horrible, delicious, horrible food. That like a bash had made. Must have been it. Oh, oh, oh. Another one coming on, sir. Oh, 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 so slimy. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. oh. Gross, Stuart. Uh, it might have been the last one. Uh, crazy, uh, drink, uh, right, bulls, quiet, dude. A few days and nights went by as they had journeyed in the sky. They finally arrived. But to their surprise, that once dead forest is now a flourishing, luscious landscape. They landed the boat copter up against Kanashi, crossed that cursed, sad land, and to their surprise, they found that the gate is open, that final gate besides the one on fire. And as they enter in, a short travel later, they arrive at a village. And as the knights journeyed, and they entered into this village, they were greeted by quaint thatched roof houses with sliding paper doors. Cherry blossom trees adorned the streets, their delicate petals falling like confetti in the breeze. The air carried a scent of rice fields nearby. Villagers in traditional kimonos bowed respectfully as the pilgrims passed, their faces reflecting a mix of curiosity and cautious welcomes. The sound of wooden sandals echoed on the gobblestone paths as the locals went about their daily lives. In the distance, a pogoda rose gracefully, adding a touch of elegance to the landscape. Johnny marveled at the craftsmanship of the wooden bridges spanning over gentle streams, connecting different parts of the village. The marketplace buzzed with activity, offering a colorful array of goods from handcrafted ceramics Two vibrant fabrics. And at the heart of the village, a Shinto shrine stood with its vermilion gates towering against the backdrop of the mountain. 
a sense of serenity enveloped the area. Okay, all eyes are on you, Miyamoto. What next? I've never been to this side of the island. But I will look for the Shogun. Me and Hanzo will go about the village and ask them in our language where to find them. We can't waste any more time. No more time. What do you want us to do? Just hang tight. Hang tight. And do stay out of trouble. I believe you will. They don't seem to be hostile. Hello. How do you know they're not hostile? Konnichiwa. I don't see anyone that looks like me here. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Oh, they, these are like Konnichiwa. villagers. Regular villagers? Yes. We are kidding us. Now, let us be, <laughs> as Ophelian had always said, going. And Miyamoto and Hanzo departed, leaving the rest of the pilgrims to hang tight. And in the bustling streets, Miyamoto clad in his traditional samurai attire, along with Hanzo, sought the whereabouts of the Shogun. As he approached locals and inquired about the Shogun's location, fear gripped their faces and whispers of caution. One by one, the townsfolk hesitated to provide any information, their eyes darting nervously as they feared the consequence of betraying the Shogun's whereabouts. Miyamoto was undeterred, along with Hanzo. They were persistent in unrevealing the mystery. But Miyamoto, spotting a particular anxious villager, drew him aside. Miyamoto and Hanzo take this villager into an alleyway up against a pottery house away from prying ears. Miyamoto leans in closely. Shogun wa tukadeska. Where is the Shogun? The man, obviously frightened, looks over the shoulder of Miyamoto into the streets and back at Miyamoto. She deny. I don't know. And Hanzo with his short fuse grabs the man by his shirt and shoves him hard against the pottery house. Debo, tell me. Shogun wa dukadeska. Where's the Shogun? The man swallows hard. She deny? I don't know. Miyamoto looks over at Hanzo. Looks back at the man. And moves his garments out of the way, revealing the hilt of his katana, revealing that he's a samurai. The man opens his eyes wide, seeing the hilt, for samurai are revered and very rare to see. One can go his whole life only hearing stories and tales and tall tales. Shaking his head, looking to his left and right, signaling quietly, Kite, come. Kite, come. Kakadedu, inside. And they go inside the pottery house and shut the door behind them, covering their tracks. The man goes about and closes up the curtains around the windows. This could be it. Miyamoto and Hanzo, sensing that they are about to get the information they need. The man goes back up to him. Debo! 
Tell me. Tokunai. Not far. Tuko. Where? Tokunai. Nimairu. So yet. Not far. Two I'm miles that way. Pointing in a direction. Miyamoto and Hanzo. Nodding their head. Yes. And it wasn't long. But inside the pottery house, Miyamoto felt a gnawing unease as an eerie quiet settled over the village. Oh. Do you sense that as well, Hanzo? Yes. That is uh, very strangely quiet. The absence of normal sounds heightened their senses, prompting them to cautiously approach a window. Peeking through a small gap in the curtain, he was met with a chilling sight. In the village square, Akuma's soldiers prowled like silent shadows, their eyes scrutinizing every corner for signs of rebellion. Oh, Akuma. The once vibrant streets now echoed only with the unsettling footsteps of the soldiers, each one the harbinger of danger. And outside with the Kuma, the three rangers, Borden, Gill, and Friend, seeing this, they turned their backs, trying to hide themselves. Max and Aphelion hid themselves along with Johnny in armor. But the three remained out in the streets as everyone lined up. And one of the soldiers came up to the leader. Aruko. Aruko turning. Nani. What? Mita. Look. Aruko, the leader, sees those three rangers in their attire, the cloaks different from all the others in the village. Mm. He approaches them. And with Gil and Borden and Friend. Okay. Oh, oh they're uh -oh. coming. Uh, okay, so just um, uh, I, I like, like, act like you've been here all the time. Like, like you live here. Right. Uh, right. Do we turn around? No, 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 no. You don't, don't turn around. Don't turn around. Nope. 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 Whatever you do, don't turn around. <laughs> oh, he's here. Budimaka. Turn around. Any idea what he said? Nope. No, I ain't got no clue what he said. Just don't don't do what he says. Whatever he's saying, don't do it. Oh. I said. Budimako. I said turn around. Okay. Alright. You know what? Let's just turn around and maybe he'll go away. Yeah. And they all three turn around and cover their faces when they do it. Who are you? But they just smile and nod their head. We're in trouble. Who are you? They understand not what he is saying. And Haruku grabs one of the garments and lifts it up. One of the ranger's cloak, holding it in his hand. Uh, uh oh, this, this might not be good. You think he wants one? 
I think he's interested. Ryan likes the mm, color. Possibly not. Uh, oh, looking Borden in the eyes. I think he wants one. Dinja. Rangers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Dinja. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that means. <laughs> Dinja. He's signaling for one of his officers. Oh. Oh. Kite. Come. Kite. Come. Kite. Looking back at the Rangers. So Todimas. Take them. And with a smile on his face. Oh, good, he's happy. Shushing. Prisoner. <laughs> he's happy. Um, I don't like the way that sounded. Uh, no? And the two Rangers, along with the apprentice, are grabbed and bound. Their weapons taken uh, from them. Uh, no. <laughs> back inside. Oh, that's not good. That's not good at all. We should hide. Oh, they're, they're coming. They're coming. For Haruku had given orders to search all the buildings, and the man that had brought him into the pottery house hides them both. And putting him into a room and shutting the door, and sliding a box in front of it. Miyamoto and Hanzo held their breath in that pottery house, crouched inside that cramped closet. The distant sounds of approaching footsteps signaled the arrival of the Akuma. As the soldiers entered, their menacing presence filled the room. Miyamoto and Hanzo exchanged tense glances. The two men looked over at the shopkeeper. Teoagete, hands up. Yoko, ni nadu. Lie down. The man lays down on the floor. The soldiers notice a wooden box pushed up against the door. The door of the closet. The Akumo, with a sinister grin, noticed the peculiar placement of the box curiosity getting the better of them. They reached down and slowly pushing the box aside, they grabbed the handle. Miyamoto and Hanzo braced themselves for the discovery. And outside with Haruku. Oh. Looking over at the pottery house, Several of the men reach for their swords and approach. The door opens up, and the two soldiers come walking out unharmed. Oh. Haruku stops in his tracks, looking at them. The Jobaris is all well. And Miyamoto, disguised in that outfit, Looks up at Haruku. Tita. I stumbled. Haruku shaking his head. Oh, 
Ah, Sayako. Let's go. Sayako! Let's go. And with that, the Akuma form up. And they march out of there. Along with Borden Gill and Friend. Miyamoto and Hanzo have disguised themselves in the outfit of the two Akuma soldiers. They march off with them as well. And the other pilgrims watch from a distance. Johnny's heart raced as he witnessed the Akuma taking their friends captive and marching them out of the village. Oh, not good. I gotta do something, Armor. No, no, hey, look, 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 look. I, I know what it, I know what's going on. I see this, but you're, you are so far outmatched, outnumbered, and you're gonna hurt all these villagers. If you do something irrational, you could really uh, destroy a lot of lives here. <sighs> Overwhelmed with fear and desperation, Johnny rushed through the chaos, grabbing people by their garments. <sighs> Where do they go? Where do they take them? Where do they take them? He pleaded. His voice trembled with emotion. He rushes to another villager. Where do they take them? Where, where are the Akuma going? However, the villagers were unable to understand Johnny's language. They could only stare blankly in response. Where, where do they take them? You, where, where do they take them? Where, where, where are the Akuma taking them? Does anybody know? Ah, desperation etched on his face. Johnny continued asking the villagers about his friends. Does, uh, does nobody know? How about you? Does anybody speak my language? Suddenly, an eerie silence descended upon the village. In disbelief, Johnny realized that everyone around him had vanished, leaving him alone in the empty streets. As he stood there, bewildered, a soft voice spoke from the shadows. Relax, Johnny. Angelos! And rushing to Angelos, falling down at his feet. Angelos, relax, Johnny. Where are they taking them? I'll go get them. Uh, you know I can get them. Johnny, they'll be all right. But you have a mission you have to do. But what about, I know, I know about them. Listen, let me take care of them. But you need to go find the Shogun. I don't know where the Shogun is. I don't even know where they're going. I don't know nothing. Follow this road in the direction the Akuma are going. The Akuma, they're going to turn off somewhere else. But you keep following this road and you'll find the Shogun just a few miles up the road. And I'll meet you in the fight. But... <sighs> Johnny putting his head down. Max and Ophelian approach Johnny. There he is. I saw the whole thing. Where, where are they going? I'll be all right. And Armor 
also approaches Johnny. What did Angelos tell you? Follow the road. We'll find the Shogun. Yeah, we're gonna find him. And then we're gonna take him down. Right, we're gonna take him down, Max. We are. We got Johnny on our side. Yeah, you got me on your side. We do. Johnny standing back onto his feet. Let's continue down this road. We shall find the Shogun there within a few miles. <laughs> Is it going to be yeah. all right? <laughs> stop, stop! Stop it! Johnny and Armor, along with Max and Aphelion, traversed a winding path through the enchanted woods and open fields for miles. The rustling leaves and chirping birds accompanied their journey. Um, zebra. No, guess again. Ooh, guess, uh, guess harder. You gotta guess really hard. Uh, I've been guessing your mysterious animal for a while. Um, a giraffe. No, you already said giraffe. Uh, Think of something ferocious. Ferocious? Hippopotamus? No, 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 no. It doesn't dwell in the water. On land. Yeah. Uh, uh, gazelle. Gazelle. Uh, gazelles aren't ferocious. Something strong. Something. Uh. Uh, I, I, I just. Uh, I don't know. I've been guessing forever. Okay, you want me to tell you? Just tell me, Max. A mountain lion. What? A mountain. A mountain lion. Stop! Stop! Wait! Wait! Uh. Huh. Mountain lions don't dwell down here on the flat lands. That's why I never guessed it. Oh, you should have said mountain lion. No, mountain lions belong in the mountains. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, down here, they're called lions, which I said like uh. four times. Oh, they're not called mountain lions down here? No, mountain lions don't dwell down here. Down here, it's lion. If a lion is in the mountains, it's a mountain lion. Oh, that makes sense. I get it now because the word mountain is in it. Oh, yeah. you, you get it, huh? Well, how come, how come regular lions aren't called flat plain prairie lions? Oh. Eh? All right, let's eh. let's enjoy the tranquility. Come on. Eh. And emerging from the foliage, they reach a small village. The cobblestone streets and quaint cottages painted a serene picture. But an eerie silence provided the air. different here. Wow, this is really different. This is a really nice place. Yeah, there is something different about it. Yeah, there, there is something. Hello. A little odd. As they all stop on the cobblestone streets. Despite the absence of people, Hello. the village bore signs of meticulous care. Flower boxes adorned windows, and the well-tended gardens hinted Anybody? at a recent human touch. Here? Johnny and the rest exchanged puzzled glances as they explored the deserted streets, captivated by the peculiar blend of emptiness 
and maintenance beauty in this mysterious setting. This is very odd. Where is everyone? I don't know. Maybe there's a festival or something going on? Festival. Perhaps. It does seem like... Very strange that a big... It's not really big, but... Feels like this would be empty. Look, there's even smoke coming out of the oh. chimneys. That I don't see no signs of people. Smells really good. Hey, yeah, hey look over here. Good. Look, look in the middle. Oh, look at that! In the heart Whoa. of the abandoned village stood a mysterious centerpiece. A large black statue of a warrior. Its imposing presence seems to absorb the light around it rendering any attempt to unveil its distinct features. No amount of sunlight or shadows could penetrate the darkness that surrounded it, leaving a magnet figure amidst the otherworldly serene setting. That is amazing. I can't make out anything. That is kind of like... Like it's so dark. It's like I'm looking into a, a dark room. I know. I don't don't touch it. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna touch. poke at it. No, don't poke at it. You might fall into it. I'll wake it up. It's rather large too. Ah, do you think, perhaps, and before armor can even say anything, you hear that? They were interrupted. I do hear it. Somebody chopping wood. Yeah, it sounds like somebody is here. Coming from around the other the other side of that yeah. building. Hey, uh, go yeah. check it out. <laughs> right. And intrigued by this mysterious sound of chopping wood, Max and Ophelion stealthily made their way behind a billion, curious to discover the source. As they turned the corner, they were met with a sight. <laughs> um. Huh. Uh, I see the pile of freshly chopped wood, and I see the gleaming axe sitting right over there by it. But uh, no signs of anybody around here. Nope. You know what that means, Max? Uh, that we spooked him? <laughs> Maybe the wind in it. I think that's what it was. Listen, listen. Sometimes the wind makes a little chopping sound. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I can, I can, I can yeah. understand that. Like sometimes it chops wood, like the wind is going really uh -huh. hard, huh? Yeah. Sometimes like the wind can pick the axe up and swing it, like if it's really strong wind. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right, Max. And uh, sometimes it can just like stop on its own and really push nothing around it, only that one axe. Around it. Okay, Max, Max, <laughs> I got it, I got it, I got it. Come on, let's, let's, let's head back. And while Johnny and Armor are staring at this figure, they hear a horse pulling a wagon behind them. And startled with the sound, they quickly turn around to see the source. Wasn't there a horse pulling a wagon? At their bewilderment, 
All they see is a wagon sitting on the side of the cobblestone path, and no horse attached. Okay. Uh, okay, that's something different. You know, I've, I've uh, heard of stories about did you? haunted haunted villages. This is probably oh, one of those haunted villages. Boy. Yeah. Maybe you hmm. think this is the village the Shogun should be? Do you think he's doing all this? And back with Max and Affilian, they passed by a chair, a withered chair. And they were startled by the innocent laughter of a little girl. <laughs> and turning towards the sound, they discover no child in sight. <laughs> so, uh, Avillian. What was that? Sometimes, Max, when the wind passes oh, boy. by chairs. <laughs> I see that little rocking one. You see how it's rocking? Uh, I see how it's rocking. Because the wind is rocking, and the way that, that uh, you know, the curvature of the, the legs moves across the wood, it can make that little <laughs> giggle, 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 giggle sound as it rocks to the front. And sometimes, Max, uh, I've heard it. You know I've heard it. When it rocks the other way, uh. it can make a little <laughs> giggle, giggle, giggle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Huh? Uh, huh. <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> but uh, last time I checked, wind makes the Ooh. Come on, Max. Sound. Sometimes it makes the 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 ah. ooh sound. Not really much on the <laughs> sound. That one doesn't really happen a lot. Come on, Max. Let's go. Find, let's go find Charlie. Hurry, 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 hurry. Max and Ophelian made their way back to Johnny and Armor, who are still standing by that dark statue. Oh, look, Armor. Uh, here they come. Uh, Did you see who it was that was chopping the wood? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did we see who it was? Well, Max, why don't you go ahead and tell who it was? Yeah. Yeah, who was it, Max? Well, apparently, according to over there. Me? Uh, <laughs> in this particular village. Uh-huh. Particularly behind that building, That's right. the wind can grab an axe. Axes, particularly sure axes. Can. Sure can. Really? And chop wood with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wind can do that mm-hmm. over here in that area, over there. Wind, wind does that. Ah, uh, strange. And Max, tell him. Oh, yeah. And according to... Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> Wind also, uh-huh. particularly behind that building that you saw us come back uh-huh. around. Back there. Uh, wind can also make little girl laughing uh-huh. sounds on rocking chairs and laugh at you as it just passes on by. True story. That would explain um, the reason why we heard a horse. Uh-huh. And uh, wind also makes wagon sounds. <laughs> yeah, you, uh. you, you see what I'm talking about? You see that, Max? I'm not crazy. They also heard the wind do some strange things, too. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's yep, that's right. You heard it. Look, the statue here is not doing nothing. And we're not doing anything. I say we should search the village, find someone, and get an answer. Uh, like this. Sounds like a great idea. Yep. Come on, Max. We'll, we'll start on the end, way over there, way over and there. we'll work our way all the way back. All the way back. That's a good idea. That's a good yep. start. Y'all too. I know y'all can find someone. <laughs> Just keep your spear bow in your hand. Well, you know I will. <laughs> Come on, Max. Let's go investigate. And I got my car. <laughs> and Max and Ophelion get to the end of the village, open the door up, and poke their heads inside. Hello. Hey. Anyone here? We're just some neighbors uh, uh, looking for a pound of flour. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're looking for some flour. Some answers on that evil dark entity-like statue out there. Oh, who made it and why is there? Max, yeah. don't, don't be so suspicious sounding. Oh, yeah, this whole place is suspicious. All right, just don't touch nothing, nothing at all. All right, I won't touch nothing. And they both walk into this building. Anybody in here? Ooh, what's that? Yeah, ooh, it's like a crossbow. Yeah, it's like a cross. Anyone back? And looking over at Aphelion, his collar is pinned to the wall by an arrow. Yeah. I told you not to touch anything. You had, you had to touch something, didn't you, Max? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, what, what, that thing, it, it just happened. Man, I don't want to hear it, Max. You see what? You touch things, I die. What if I touch things? Then uh, you're going to die, too? <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're probably right. You wouldn't get a, you wouldn't get a scratch on you. <sighs> now, now, listen. Calm down. Okay, I'll calm down. Now, <sighs> let's just search this place and get out of here. And back outside with Johnny in armor. And as the pilgrims continue their search through the village, a sudden change occurred. That statue of a warrior on his forehead, a crystal, a purple crystal, lit up inexplicably. Johnny and Armor, their eyes widened in fear, and they sensed an ominous energy emitting from the forehead and from the entire statue itself. And without warning, darkness descended from the sky to the ground, swallowing the village in an epic cloak of obscurity. The once visible world became a realm of shadows, leaving Johnny in armor, Max and Aphelion in a state of awe and terror. The purple crystal's glow intensified, casting a light in the midst of the encroaching darkness. The air crackled with mystic energy as the pilgrims braced themselves for the unfolding supernatural spectacle. They stood in complete darkness.
Amidst the chilling darkness of the village, Johnny and Armor stand upon the cobblestones. Swords clench tightly, shields raised in anticipation. They shiver as the unsettling sense of dread hangs in the air. The Shogun lurking, ready to strike in the terrifying silence. But in that room where Max and Aphelion are, they grope in the darkness to find the door. <laughs> what had just happened? I don't know, it's like somebody blew the sun out. I know. Ah, I can't even see the fire. I can hear it. I can hear too. <laughs> Insane. I, I draw my spear bow somewhere on the ground. Where is it? Well, look, look, maybe if we open the door, we can let some light in. Yeah, we gotta find the door. I know it's somewhere over here. And Aphelion stretching out his hands and his fingers. And his fingers enter into the mouth of Max. <laughs> Max, somebody just tried to gnaw on my fingers. Somebody just tried to claw in my mouth. <laughs> you got your club. I got it right here. Somebody is in here. <laughs> and Max bumps into a billion. <laughs> Max, somebody is in here. Alright, <laughs> Max. As soon And Max bumps into a billion again. <laughs> I, I feel somebody here. I feel somebody. I, I feel somebody too. Let him have it, Max. Let him have it. Okay. Max, somebody's attacking me. Club and fist. Get off my friend. Get off my pillion. I'll get off my pillion. Max, somebody's violently attacking. Get him, Max. Get him. I'm trying. To, uh, he's gonna find his jaw. Uh, 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 I got him. I got him. Aphelion, where are you? Where are you, Aphelion? Uh, oh, 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 I feel like Aphelion. I know that bony arm anywhere. Uh, going up the face. Oh, oh there you are. Aphelion. Billion, wake up! No time to sleep! Billion! A billion! Did you get him, Max? Did you get him? Yeah, I knocked Ow. him out. Oh, good! I was hoping you would. He knocked me out, too! Oh, I, I know. I heard about it. Good thing I knocked him out first, huh? That way he wouldn't be able to just continue beating on you while you're sleeping. Yeah. Oh, well, well, let's get out of here before he yeah. wakes up. And who knows how big of a monster he is. Yeah, oh, he's probably like a scary, big, pudgy type guy, huh? Jolly and everything. Yeah, I don't know about jolly. Yeah, come on, find the door, find the door. Oh, I found it. Uh, oh. And opening the door. <laughs> uh, uh, more darkness. Look at that. Yeah. Let's go find let's go find Johnny. <laughs> and they step out into the streets. Oh my job. 
In the desolate darkness of the village, Johnny and Armor find themselves facing an invisible Shogun. The only discernible feature is that purple crystal glowing in his forehead. Armor, get, get closer to me. I believe if we just keep facing that crystal, we should be fine. I think you're right. That's a, about a good, good only option. Oh, here he comes. Hold tight, hold tight. And the Shogun clashes right into both of them. Passing by to the other side, Johnny and Armor turn likewise and interlock the shields. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Next time he does that, let's try to get him with our swords. Oh, well, here he comes. And the Shogun crashes into him again and passes by on the other side. Johnny and Armor likewise turn themselves and lock their shields shoulder to shoulder. Anything? You feel anything? Yeah, a whole lot of armor. Oh, he's, oh, he's, he's shifting to the right. Shift with him, shift with him. Shift with him. Oh, here he comes. Hold on, hold on. And the Shogun hits both of them. Johnny and Armor fall to the ground, rolling in the dirt. Johnny stands back up. Armor, where are you, Armor? I'm over here. Where are you? I'm over here. I'm over here. Uh, oh, behind you, the crystal, behind you. And Johnny turns around just in time, and he blocking that blow from the sword. He feels the blade slice across the metal of his shield. Johnny swinging his sword violently at the crystal and right below it, trying to get to the neck. So the crystal backs up into the darkness, further and further away as Johnny holds his shield tightly and stays firm until the crystal fades away in the night. Armor approaches Johnny. Johnny, where are you? Where are you, Johnny? Right here. I don't see the crystal, do you? Do you see it? No, I don't see him. Here, I'm gonna put my back on your back. And we'll just slowly turn in a circle, Johnny. I have a bad feeling. You know that bad feeling you get? Oh, I know the bad feeling. I had that bad feeling when I woke up. And Armor squinting his eyes, seeing something. Oh, I see it. I see it, Johnny. Turn this way, lock with me. And Johnny turns that way and locks with him. <sighs> seeing the crystal slowly approaching. Come on. Johnny raises a sword of Numa high. <sighs> and suddenly, Johnny's sword begins to radiate. A star-like brilliance. <gasps> oh, this is helpful. Johnny, that sword of Numa. <sighs> and it reveals the malevolence, that eerie body of the Shogun. His menacing form is now visible as in the daytime. <sighs> okay, this makes things easier. Now come at me. And the Shogun, still undeterred, charges at Johnny. And the fight is on. Johnny swinging his sword violently at the Shogun. The Shogun returning blow for blow, strike for strike. Johnny undeterred, while having his shield in his hand, stopping most of all the attacks, and ducking and bobbing and jumping back, and thrusting forward and parrying. And in a climactic clash, 
Johnny manages to vanquish the Shogun, his sword piercing through the heart of darkness. The Shogun falls to a knee. The crystal also falls to the ground at the feet of Johnny. And Johnny, bending down, grabs a hold of that crystal. Still, with a sadness on his face, Armor approaches. Why are you sad? We won. I know, but... It's, it's no victory without the Rangers. I fear for them. Look, leave that in the hands of Angelos. And besides that, I believe the next gate that we open will lead right to them. You're right. You're right. And look, here comes Max and Aphelion. Come on, get up. There they are. Look at me. Let's go return this. Get that last gate open. Rid the world of this emperor. And also get our friends back. And they march off towards the colossal statue of Yokai to return that crystal. And high atop his four-bounding tower, the Emperor stands with an air of wicked satisfaction, surveying his kingdom spread out below. The darkened soldiers enter in, marching relentlessly into the heart of his dominion, ready to carry out his commands. And as the Emperor watches below, his gaze shifts upward, a bone-chilling sight. A colossal nightmarish dragon descends from the clouds. The alliance between them sets the stage for a reign of terror, an unholy alliance. And that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful night. That was a good song, too. So credits. Once again, Sir Miser's theme song is, uh, for, uh, is, is uh, Cheese from The Seventh Midnight. And a lot of the other music you hear from Fantasy of World Music by The Fetchers, Derek Fetcher. And it makes some good music. That's why I chose it. <laughs> all right. I'll see you all later.